0: Dan, you ready? Yeah. All right, Tyler, you ready? Sure, man. Been a little while. Time out.
1: Tyler, who are we taking the time out with today? Kevin, it has been a while. Good to see you, man. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, children of all ages up in the 585 and down here in whatever area code in Dallas, I'm in. Uh, We have Daniel Bages, the owner of Limitless Physical Therapy Specialists. Uh, Daniel, thanks for have, you know jumping on the show with Kevin and I. Like we said, it's been a little while. We're in season three of the show, and uh, Daniel, I just want to kick it off, man. I see uh, right off the bat that you play music. If uh, we're sitting around a campfire right now, I, I, I I'm just guessing it's acoustic guitar. Am I right? Yeah, that would be okay. the one. I, I pegged you right, man. So <laughs> acoustic guitar. What what sing along are you are you singing? Your three boys, my newborn, and Kevin's one year old right now.
2: Ooh, that's a diverse group i gotta get them all going geez that's you got a the tough 16 one.
0: year old and then you got the six week old yeah that's that's
2: tough to please <laughs> well given the nature of this podcast maybe like friends in low places or something like
1: that, Ooh, that i like it? that okay <laughs> yeah, that, that always starts starts the party i think everyone <laughs> in all, all area codes knows friends in low places right i, I saw that's what i'm saying yeah documentary. dude i didn't know he had millions of people show up at central park you know, with cowboy hats on. Can you believe that? I was going to say "Country Roads," John
0: Denver. Uh, I I figured that around a campfire. Get the as long as it's not "Wheels on the Bus" because that that has <laughs> been the most overplayed song in my house for the last six months. <laughs> so as long as it's not that, Dan, I'm all right. Where okay. are you taking Tyler and I out to eat? What's your favorite spot here in Rochester? Where are you taking us out for a bite oh, to eat? Dang, these
2: are tough questions, man. Um, probably probably my back porch would be my preference i'd have you guys over and cook for you that'd be awesome
0: all right what are we serving what's the what's the what's the what's the family recipe that you're sharing with us
2: pretty much anything anything on the grill we grill year-round i said i got three boys so we feed we feed a lot of mouths all the time but we love uh we love entertaining people and having folks over so um that's a big part of what we do and uh it's always better when you can get around your own dinner table and uh, just enjoy people's uh, company in that environment versus uh, sometimes a loud restaurant but that'd be my preference. All
1: right, that's yeah, all do right. You have, do you have a
2: Blackstone
1: yet, Daniel? No, just a big old grill on the back on the back patio that works I, great. I highly advise black Blackstone, dude. You, you, I'm I'm slinging out omelets for for whatever in a matter of no time on that thing. But I just want to also ask you, do you ever go to a meals over there? I was, I was, I worked in Victor and I, I yeah. would hit up the meals. No, no kidding. Guys like eight days a week. Sometimes <laughs> they'd be like, Oh no, <laughs> the guy's back again. Yeah. That's solid. That's always dude, good. Dude, yeah. The hot, the hot peppers, my goodness. But uh, yeah, dude, and I, I was looking at uh, what else is there? What, oh, my other question for you, Daniel, it's kind of like, how, how did you get in to physical therapy? Kind
2: of a long question. I don't know. Every uh, every seventeen or eighteen year old um, pretty much has the the world figured out, you know, at that point in their life. But um, I had a I had a couple of intentions that I I was kind of clear on. I knew I wanted to do, to do something helping people. Um, I also uh, had a little bit of exposure to physical therapy um, as a patient, and I just really liked. How it made me feel—not not the PT part of it, but just the environment in the office and how healthcare was delivered that way—and um, so that was a big part of what shaped it. And uh, I guess. Uh, at the end of the day, just the ability to connect and relate with people is what I gravitated toward. It's different if you've ever been to PT before, you just have a lot more time with your healthcare provider um, and you see them for a little more frequent episodes. So like maybe if you have an injury, you might be coming in a couple days a week for an hour at a time. Uh, so that's a much more intimate relationship with people. And I, I kind of gravitated toward that. Um, versus going, you know, the typical, go to an orthopedic specialist and you might see them for three minutes or whatever it is, you know, and and it's just the nature of the industry, I guess. So uh, as a, as a young guy, I kind of gravitated toward that. Um, And I will say it was definitely Providence that it actually all worked out because honestly, I didn't know, you know, I mean, at at 18, like you think, you know, but you really don't know. So, as part of a bigger plan, I think, for me. So I,
0: I love where you kind of just shared your reflections as to why you thought about physical therapy, but it really all yeah. started with your intentions first, and then you kind of found the career that allowed you those opportunities, and it's funny, mm-hmm. sitting here 10 years uh, where where I was, um, I too thought I was getting into physical therapy and physician's assistant, <laughs> I a degree in biology, but I, I chose soccer. I thought I, soccer was a priority for me going into college. I didn't apply to Nazareth, which had the graduate program and then life lesson that it's a lot harder to uh, transition into uh, PT school after, after, yeah. A, yeah. well, here I am, I've been in sales and now consulting for, for a long time, but my intentions are very similar to you and that's always encouraging, enabling and empowering others building that relationship. And that's what I loved about healthcare too. I had over a thousand patient contact hours, but what you spoke of was why I liked PT the most. Cause it was like the only <laughs> spot where you really could build a, an, establish a relationship, like a bond. And to your point, they walked in broken and then you got to see them over time, heal and get better. And what that did for their life um, and how rewarding that was. So I, that is so cool to just hear you say. And I just have to ask, because this is probably kind of factored into how you now lead others. You talked about the social connection, getting people and friends and family around your table without all the distractions. What have you learned as leader from a leadership perspective? Are these same intentions, are the same intentions that you're holding from a leadership perspective as well?
2: Yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, I talk a lot about values. Um, That's a big thing for our organization, but for me personally, one of my um, most important values is the idea of people thriving or thriving people. And, um, I always thought it extremely ironic that we were in healthcare and the number one issue in healthcare from an employee standpoint is burnout, right? So we take care of people, but we can't take care of people. Um, isn't that kind of ironic? So, um, that's really what has shaped my desire and a lot of the culture in our organization is, is that main value. So I really believe that if people are thriving, um, they can take better care of our patients, right, and our customers. So um, trying to create an environment where that happens and look for opportunities to move people toward, toward thriving rather than the other way where we're moving them toward burnout, right? Um, so that's probably the biggest intention behind how how I lead um, or why I do what I do now as a business owner.
0: And what's your definition of thriving? Just out of curiosity, like if you had to say this individual or I'm thriving, what buckets, what what buckets are you prioritizing?
2: So to me, it means uh, that there's an intentional effort on that person's, um, an intentional effort from that person to self-reflect, kind of take their own temperature, so to speak, and and be intentional about doing the things that do fill their bucket. So self-care is a big piece of that. Self-reflection is a big piece of that. You can look at the different domains of any human, right? So there's there's a lot of different ways we could think about that. But for instance, if um, physical fitness is an important uh, part of who you are and you're neglecting that because of something else, then are you practicing some kind of self-reflection to stop, say, hey, Am I addressing this thing that's really important to me? And if not, what do I need to do to make it happen? Just as an example.
1: I love it. Thank you, dude. Love it. Love it, Daniel. I'm glad we ran into you this this morning, afternoon, man. Um, real, real quick. Let's, let's I gotta rewind a little bit. So, being a leader as a father, that, um, I just became one about six weeks ago, Kevin. About a, a year and a half ago, I want to say. Is that yep. right, Kev? Yeah. what leadership advice and start with me please <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel you're six and a half weeks into your first boy looking yeah. back on it would you have done anything different or do you have any leadership fatherly advice for I don't know a fellow named Tyler White
2: I'll tell you anyone I'll tell you the same thing I would tell anyone is um only only full buckets overflow so if you're not filling your bucket up and taking care of yourself, it's really hard to give your best to your to your little one or to your spouse or to whoever it is in your life. Same with your your team, right? So, so being intentional about um, uh, understanding what needs to be coming in so that you can. Is that way, um, from a from a father or a or a spouse perspective, um, another one is um, this is something again that. I've I continue to try to practice. Geez, if I if I come across in any way today sounding like I've figured it out, just reach through the screen and slap me <laughs> or something like that. But um, no, uh, getting totally getting clear, speak. yeah, getting clear on intentions, right? So like, what do you want things to look like in your relationships with your kids or with your um, spouse, specifically in your family? You know, what do you want things to? What's your intention for your family? You know, those kind of things. Starting to think about them. And, and process that and then put things in place to try to go that direction. So just be intentional about it.
0: I love, I love the intention drives the attention as uh, one of one of my friends, Dr. Nick Molinaro <coughs> had, had taught me that and he's a sports psychologist, but that's, it's a really a way to kind of hijack your, your mind and your brain um, as a way to enter any meeting, any conversation, any, any of that. And I love how you're being intentional about what you need first, because if you don't have what you need and you're uh, at 25 percent, the about the amount that you can give to others is is never going to be enough. Um, so I and I love what you talked about. You were you were kind of sharing about you having three boys running your own business, obviously the relationship with your wife, your friends. Um, i found a best practice shared uh, from a friend, Greg Vannerick, to to come up with that personal and professional scorecard. Is that Mm -hmm. something that you're continuously doing? Like, how are you monitoring yourself to make sure you're still on that path? Because I think balance is hard. Balance is that concept that I can give here and and give a little less here. Um, But we're talking about work and life kind of just being life now um, as Mm -hmm. a whole. How are you staying on track? How do you make sure that you're not veering too far, putting too much time, energy and effort in one area not the other? um it might sound a little crazy
2: but i've got a lot of thoughts on that so um the first one is is having uh just setting some rhythm of self-reflection so i do i weekly and quarterly we, my, I do a weekly kind of preview or review. So I go through and kind of ask a few questions of myself and I journal through as I set up my next week. So that's an important practice or discipline there. Um, and part of the questions in there is just really simple, kind of what worked well this week and what didn't work well this week. So that's an easy checkpoint. Quarterly, I go through and kind of evaluate that against um, some of the bigger picture things. So that takes me maybe half a day, actually, where I sit down and really think through What were the big milestones that happened last quarter? And um, again, what worked well, what didn't work well? What adjustments do I need to make in my schedule? Uh, What relationships need attention? Those kind of bigger questions. So just taking some time to really reflect on it. um, See how those things are aligning with my intentions that I, I laid out there. Uh, so those are probably, if I could, en- if I could encourage leaders to do one thing <laughs> that would probably be very transformative, it would be that just hit that rhythm of self-reflection. The other thing is everyone needs um, a group of kind of wise people in their life. So I have, I'm fortunate to have um, several of those wise people in my life and different kind of um, different environments too. So professionally and uh, personally that just kind of you can bounce ideas off of they know you well enough to know if you're off or if things aren't going well um and particularly my wife is is excellent at um at that with me you know she's able to kind of see through everything and just um she can kind of usually hit the nail right on the head for me with what's going on before I do a lot of times so so those are Isn't good. That amazing those are good checkpoints uh, yeah yeah um the other one the other one I would say uh, this is just a, a straight up kind of proprietary tool, but it's free. It's through, um, Michael Hyatt and company. I don't know if you're familiar with them. He has this thing called the life score assessment. Um, you do have to give your email away, but it's awesome. It just gives you a little inventory over your whole, the different domains of your life. And, um, it just helps you think a little bit more broadly about who you are as a person. And then you can do that periodically and use it as a tool to just kind of, um, check in. We use that with our team. Um, but I, I do it personally, probably at least once, maybe twice a year, I'll use that tool, um, as part of that. So
0: that's really, really those cool. are
2: kind of some big, those are some big pillars that, that I, I kind of stand on. Yeah.
0: And I love the reflection, but I also love the journaling aspect because I think just writing it down, at least I can say personally for myself helps me to really think about it, um, and put it on paper. Sometimes it allows me to, um, I guess, connect more dots in my own mind um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I love the journaling aspect of it. And obviously that social board of directors that you talked about is, is is so important. I think that's really cool. I love that you're focused kind of holistically on the health of your employees uh, to get them to that thriving aspect. And using this life score assessment sounds like a great opportunity for them to reflect throughout the year and see and reflect, share back with you maybe where they need additional support or where they don't need any uh, help so oh, that's awesome Ty what do you got
1: hey, Daniel how do you keep the discipline to do that right like it all sounds great to me like I, I start that kind of stuff but what what um what like advice do you have to to jumpstart your discipline to write every day do you do it at a certain time do you miss days is that okay to miss a couple days like 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 do you have any advice on a set schedule you know I know it's a very elementary question but like like how the heck do you keep keep it up i want to say
2: yeah so again um my wife and i my wife and i had kids really young right so um i also grew up on a farm so that's another little detail there so i'm used to getting up early but um even more so when we had little ones um i i just knew the only chunk of time i had was to get up a little bit early um, and I have kind of a morning ritual that I go through, uh, every morning, pretty much on the weekends. It's a little bit loose, but I still, I still stick to something like that. Cause my, I'm just kind of hardwired to do it. Um, we had a lot, we needed to squeeze into the same 24 hours at that stage in our life. So that's when I really installed that habit. Um, and, and as far as discipline goes, I would say this has evolved dramatically over years of time right so like that compound effect of doing doing a little bit every day has led to the a much more evolved practice there and using different tools too so um to answer your question directly what is kind of a tip or some advice um Really, probably sketching out, um, looking at your looking at your days and your week, mm-hmm. and trying to design a a week that you can fit that into somewhere. So, if you can automate your week somehow, so you have blocks of time throughout the week that you know you can fit that in, even if it's twenty minutes, you know that's really not a high investment of time, mm-hmm. um, and that is usually what it would take you know you sit down and you can start with some there's lots of great resources out there now for journals and or day planners that have prompts in them there's a ton of them out there Um, but again it starts with intention so if you want to if you want to grow as a human um, or there's a certain thing that you want to address that's a great a great way to do it you can't do it if you're on autopilot you have to kind of stop and and think and have um, some direction that way so
0: uh, and I love what you just said right at the end is almost staying in the moment. Cause I, I think that we tend to go into autopilot and I was just having a debate on, on time, right? Cause it, right now in the six week old uh, daughter of Tyler's and the 18 month old, their days seem to pass so slowly, right? Because yeah. every single second they're learning something new and they're continue, they're just curious, right? The, and in Humans, right? Our days go by like this. I have weeks where it's like, holy cow, it's already Friday. Like this week, it's Friday, and I can't believe it's already Friday. But why is that? I feel like I am, when I drive to work, like those drives, and you're like, I, I, I know I got here. I know I drove here, but I don't remember that ride at all. It's like, am I switching over into autopilot instead of making the most of today? And it sounds like you're very intentional of making the most out of each minute, each hour, each, each day um, to ensure that you're kind of filling your bucket in all these various categories. Um, and the commitment side of it is, 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 is awesome. I wanted to ask because you shared it that you came from a family of six and now you add the d- detail on the farm. What did that yeah. dynamic teach you? about what, What uh, like, have you ever, I'm, I'm sure you have reflected <laughs> on how that helped prepare your uh, views, right? Um, because yeah. I'm from a family of two. Um, Tyler's from a family of two. So I've only ever seen those types of environments, but I'm just curious as to how that helped with your development and your experience and, and who you've become as a leader and a man, Dan. Mm,
2: I think farming itself probably pot a few different things um big ones would be discipline um generally teamwork right it takes it takes a a group to be able to get the chores done for the day that kind of thing uh certainly certainly work ethic you know um my my dad i love him a lot he um was not one for uh seeing boys sit around so i think the whole reason we had a farm was to keep us all busy you know (laughs) i mean (laughs) i think that's what it came down to um I think uh I think those are some of the big things. Probably the the biggest things that influenced who I am as a leader are probably um growing up in a in a household where faith was a really big deal. Um so that was a that was a big part of what shaped my worldview and also who I wanted to be as a human and and how I wanted to engage. So that was probably bigger, bigger than anything. Um for establishing kind of my values and how I wanted to, how I wanted to do stuff. But that was all in the context of getting up early and doing chores every day and coming home and doing chores every night. Those kind of things, you know, those were pretty, that was our normal rhythm. So
0: it's amazing how, cause I can say, speak for myself, how I tried to separate my personal and professional world so much until the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I really got that, I don't know, slap across the face on how ridiculous that think, way of thinking was. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I think you spoke of that because there's so many people that are faith based, right. And they go to church on the weekends, but I, I don't see those same values, those same principles and ideals that they're listening and obviously value to show up for an hour once a week. I, I don't see them carrying over into the ways that they handle their values, um, their actions, the things that they do, um, in some mm-hmm. of those leadership positions. How did you get yourself comfortable to bring it in? Do you talk about faith? Is it something that you and your team teammates talk about openly, or is it just seemingly how you set your intention? So,
2: uh, I mean, this is a, you you both have way more experience navigating that dynamic about talking about sensitive things in a workplace, right, than I do. But uh, what I would say is um Probably the first thing for me is, um, integrity as a leader. So doing, doing what you say you're going to do and starting to build, uh, a really strong foundation of trust with your team. Um, I don't, I don't want to come across and, and give you the impression that we're evangelizing at work, but I do talk, we do talk about spiritual things that work for people. You know, that's a very common conversation and a one-to-one with someone, um, for instance, I can, an example I just had with someone that I knew um, faith was a big deal to this person. And I knew that uh, they didn't, um, they weren't addressing that. That wasn't, that was was something that they weren't doing. And, you know, I knew they weren't doing well at work. And I asked the question, I said, well, you know, I know we've talked about this before, that this is a big deal for you. And and what are you doing to address that in your life outside of work, you know? And so uh, I had the strength of relationship first to be able to ask that kind of question and so there's nothing um, other than time and integrity and and saying what you're going to do and then following through with it and just over time building those relationships that allow you to have those conversations with people Um, but to that's part of my intention as a leader right going back to that same thing is to be able to have people move toward thriving, right? And so if you see that big hole in someone's life, being able to speak a little truth into that is yeah. pretty powerful. It's pretty like cool, you said,
0: actually. Yeah, like you said, that takes that trust. But I, I hear what you're doing is really humanizing that experience, that relationship, and and your vulnerability to talk openly about emotional topics allows you to form those strong bonds and relationships where you can share that feedback. And it's not taken almost as criticism, you know, and that people get defensive, yeah. that comes from a place of love. I, 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 that's awesome, Dan. And we have
2: people, we have people of different faith backgrounds in our, in our organization who are, who do talk about it and even in a group setting. So it's not, it's just the fact that it's who it's part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And so why, why wouldn't we want that to be, why wouldn't we want to know that, you know, if it's important to you, it should be important to the team. So that's something okay. that we would, we definitely encourage uh, for everyone.
1: Love it, Dan. And I was going to ask you, man, you said, you seem very, uh, at peace and and you you seem like you're exactly (laughs) where you need to be, man. I, I I feel that from you, but I wanted to ask you, what are the things that still challenge you today? And, uh, and fears, do you have any, do you have any fears or challenges that you're working on Mm. currently?
2: Yes. So many, (laughs) All the, time, all the time so um yeah so probably one of the big things is um this thought just came uh, i don't even know uh, who just i'm trying to think of where this came to me but someone's <laughs> shared with me the idea um, that failure is being successful at the wrong things um so i've been thinking a lot about that and the directions that we're going in our company and um we're still small enough we have a team of 27 now but that's still small enough that um all of the decisions tend to affect everyone in the team you know so thinking trying to think about what that looks like if we're successful at the wrong things for the team and and for myself personally um uh fear i'm trying to think of fears or challenges um i think a challenge that I feel compelled to address all the time is um, what, what value am I delivering to my team um, and trying to hold myself accountable to that standard? Um, Cause it's different, right? I've shifted away from patient care at this point and I'm really, my team, my team are my patients. <laughs> so um, making sure that uh, it's easy to see at the end of the week, if I saw X number of patients and, and did a great job with that, that's easy. But now um, trying to measure the health of the team and make sure that um, our business is sound and um, those kind of things, making sure that as a, as a CEO or a leader, I'm, I'm delivering that value and um, also moving the whole organization in a positive direction you know those kind of things so those are those are daunting at times if you kind of sit back and think about them too much you know but um, those would be those would be some of the bigger challenges I'm
1: thinking of right now
0: <laughs> That's where, yeah
1: where do you, where do you start your evaluation process there right like like, like when you, you know, 27 people, that's a lot of people to me, man. <laughs> that's uh that's yeah, enough yeah. for me. Yeah, um yeah. Where, where do you start? Like, like to, to get kind of a pulse on, on the, you know, the spirit of your squad over there. Spirit of the squad. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that.
2: <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I'm going to take that and run with it. um So. Uh, great question. I, I try to, um, it's a blessing and a curse for me, but one of the things I'm, I've, I'm good at, gifted at, I would, I would say just naturally was the ability to pick up on what's going on in people. So, one of the things I do as a habit is uh, a couple days a week in each office, I just make a point of connecting with each person. Um, and it might just be a hey, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing? And in about three seconds, looking at your face, I can usually tell if you're good or bad. So that's, I might be wrong, you know, sometimes, but a lot of times you get a good read on people that way pretty quick. Um, it, we have a rhythm of checking in. Um, so we do a leadership team meeting and then different departments have meetings. And and we do a section of those meetings. It's just kind of checking in on people. Um we share wins together so there's interactions where where you get if you, you just pay attention to what's going on with your team right so that's a good one those are good metrics for me um because when people share their wins with the team we do that in every meeting pretty much uh the you can tell what's kind of going on what's top of mind for people so that's pretty cool um i'm kind of crazy too about uh the quality of care that we're delivering um, and again, that's the outflowing of people doing well personally. It's hard to consistently deliver at a high level um, the way we want people to. If if you're not taking good care of yourself, so if you're showing up to work spent, um, it, it's going to show because we really we really do want people to perform at a high level. Um, even everyone, our front desk folks, our finance people, our especially our PTS. You know, um, that's a lot you got to give all day long. So. Paying attention to the quality of service that we're giving folks. Those are all barometers for how people are doing the spirit of the squad.
0: (laughs) I just have to say uh, what you had said about how you have started to view your peers, your employees, let's say, um, co-workers as patients, because I think that just mindset all kidding aside, but that mindset, right? What is a patient? Um, you as a therapist, you have to ask questions. How does this feel? What does this look like? How are you doing here? When you do this, what, is, what happens next? Um, and I, I, I'd i be willing to, to step out on a ledge and say that you're probably asking your teams a lot of good questions to really gauge where they're at in their life. How happy and how satisfied are they? What are their challenges? Um, and just going back to how proactive you're planning for the the next week ahead, because you know, there's going to be disruptions. You know, there's going to be interruptions. You know, there there's things that could potentially throw off that schedule, but you're Mm -hmm. almost prepared because you've planned, um, and you can be a little bit more agile and nimble within those environments once you're planning for that week. So I love that. How have you stayed, um, how have you stayed comfortable with change? Um, you mentioned how you've needed to change, how the business has changed. Change is scary for a lot of people. How have you gotten yourself comfortable with change and your team comfortable with the changes that you're making, probably from what you're listening as to what their needs truly are?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a constant a constant thing, right? Actually, just this week, um, I challenged myself. Uh, COVID is really what helped nail this lesson down, but this week in particular, there was an idea um, that I was I was shifting in the wrong direction personally around this thing, and I realized that I was holding that idea really tightly rather than kind of holding it open-handedly. And when I did that, I was becoming kind of emotionally attached to it, or it was you know too too much so that i couldn't see it clearly and it was a little thing but but covid really really hammered us with that lesson right our our vision just got totally flipped around so um one of the things we've talked a lot about with our team is intentionally holding your values and trying to live your values out but taking ideas or destinations and try to hold them open-handedly right um so uh actually paying attention to and being aware of what your values are really live those out and then uh, take that idea that we were whole that we had out there and be open to seeing that change um that's actually straight from uh, uh adam grant i believe is where that idea came from just the idea of if we're linking if we're linking an outcome to our identity, it's really hard to change that. Uh, if that outcome changes, it's really hard to roll with that change, mm-hmm. because it's kind of this big existential question about who we are. And that—that was, um, yeah, that's from the book "Think Again," Adam Grant. I don't want to take credit for that idea; it's my own. <laughs> well, I just, um, I,
0: but that anybody
2: that—that's how we—that's we, yeah. how you roll with change. That's how you roll with change. I love is the, Yeah, the reality that um, you have to kind of unlink who you are as a person with, with an outcome. Um, yeah. and so that's been, it's, again, it's one of those things that says easy and hard, right? Because there are things that you're really committed to and you want to see happen, but all of a sudden it's like, man, that's totally different. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a big way, um, to do it. And then again, I'll, I'll bring it back to faith, right? So, um, who I am as a person is, um, uh, hugely shaped by by that, my faith in the idea of um, there being God and God being in control and um, having a plan for us. So those are those are kind of some promises that I really stand, try to stand on. You know, but it, it's it sure is a. A pretty normal occurrence where I catch myself kind of clinging on to these ideas. And then all of a sudden it's different and I have to be able to pivot from that. So those are really, those are really difficult, but that's how.
0: I think it's just what you're speaking of. And just to reflect is human nature. If it's our idea, we're going to be a little bit more emotionally attached to it. But those that listen to this podcast, uh, 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 Audible, um, you uh, did the hand open and a fist right and I I loved how you showed that um, graphically because it's the difference between a, a fist and an open palm right an open palm is welcoming to perspectives to gain multiple insights but what I'm hearing you is you're involving others within the decision making process because they'll be impacted by that decision to gain their accountability as well as their perspective to find the best solution that works for everybody. And that's pretty, that's pretty damn powerful, Dan. That's, uh, that's, that's tapping into the collective intelligence of the 27 individuals that you've thought enough to hire and bring a part of the family or the team. So that's, that's special.
1: I'm loving it. I'm loving not what really, uh, you know, predicting or, or caring about the outcome, right? In my mind, it's like, I'm mean, going to hit a home run, but I don't care if it's over the left field fence or right field or, or center field. You know, God's got that part. I'll trot around the bases, score, help my team out, whatever it is. And, but, but just letting, letting go of, of the outcome is what I kind of heard there, Dan. Um, and I'm going to check out Think again, man. That might, be, that might get me thinking too much, which is, uh, is always a disaster. But um, I, I'd really like to check that out. And you seem like a, a man of experience, Dan. Like everything we've asked you, you haven't really gone. I mean, sure, you went to this this one book. You had it this whole time of like forty five minutes, but it's almost been. <laughs> this was what happened last week. This is what happened yesterday, and I think that's the best way we can tell the story, of you know straight you know straight experience. And I'm thinking I need to get a part, be a part of this five a.m. club. Do you really find value in the? What time do you wake up in the morning? Oh, uh, it it the varies. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah.
2: like, do you
0: really want it know?
2: <laughs> yeah, probably be probably around quarter of five is pretty normal. Um, I set my alarm for five, but it, it doesn't usually go off, so I usually turn it off and I, I get out of bed. So
1: and are you again? It's guy? just kind of
2: hard. Oh yeah, oh, a <laughs> couple okay. cups. i, I got to A know couple cups things. in the morning. Yeah, okay. no, I have a couple cups of coffee. That is, uh, yeah, that's that's the time to shine, I guess. Uh, it's quiet. My kids are asleep. My wife's usually asleep and, uh, we'll, I can, I can spend some time just doing that being, um, going through that kind of morning ritual that I have.
0: So. Do you find finding time for yourself and making space for, for that, that time, giving yourself the ability to self reflect is key and, and really carving out that time.
2: Yeah. Um, again, uh, it's, it's happening, happening over time that I'm getting better at the habit of self-reflection, right? So it's something that if you told me about 10 years ago, um, I would have been like, yeah, I totally self-reflect, but like, you know, the depth of it and kind of what's happening there is very different. And I still feel like a lot of times it, um, it's really busy up, up here in my brain and I, and it's hard to dial in what I'm thinking about. So another big piece for me is exercising too. So I need time where I can do things. I can move my body, uh, to help quiet down my brain a little bit. And that, that's a, that's a habit that helps a ton, um, to try to process some thinking a little bit too, um, journaling and, and journaling is also a, a huge piece to that for me, honestly, cause it does like, um, uh, Kevin, like you said, it really does um, sort out your thoughts a lot. It gives you a way to kind of organize them and sort them out a little bit. So I do write quite a
1: bit. Any other, any other best practices in quieting down your brain? Oh man, yeah, uh, yeah, um,
2: yeah. There's a lot that goes on up there. So um, that's probably the biggest thing for me, honestly. I know, I know a lot of people talk about mindfulness or, or centering prayer, different things like that. That definitely helps, Um, but I'm inherently not good at that, Um, which I know you're not supposed to, you know, have a bar for how good you are at your ability, but truly for me, moving my body, like exercising, even walking and then trying to think about a thing um, or listening to something while I'm walking or jogging, that's a huge, a huge way to kind of hack my brain a little bit to, to focus on that thing.
0: So cool. But you're talking about the consistency in order for it to become a habit. Otherwise, it's just uh, you're, it's a, a New Year's resolution. So <laughs> yeah. which I love because then you have to back up the action. And that's what you said earlier on in the conversation when you're kind of going through that personal professional scorecard. What is your intention in, for um, this because then it leads to action and what's that first step that you're willing to take. I'm going to take a uh, one of my favorite uh, questions that Tyler typically asks because you seem like a gentleman that probably has a couple <laughs> good ones in your back pocket. But if we were to put up a billboard, um, Dan, um, not about your business, but just a quote of reflection that you would put out on 390 or 490 that people would drive by every morning, noon and night. What would that be to get people to start thinking, maybe thinking differently or challenge a thought or get them to to prioritize something? What would your quote be out to the world? Geez, hmm. that's a hard one. Um, I
2: don't know. I might need to come back to that one. I'm thinking about it.
1: Well, while you're thinking, Ty, what else do you, else you got? I was just thinking of trying to think of what color my billboard would be before I had a message on it. I was like, is it black and white? Is it green and blue? Um, I don't know. I, I'm surprised I just, it's not red and white for
0: Arkansas, but yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> hog colors, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, well, I guess off the top of my head, um, my, one of my questions, was just a, a, a PT question, Dan. Um, I remember, like, in, when I was a little kid, I had to go to PT. Honestly, my doctor said I had too much stool in my system because my back hurt. Um, and no, yeah, no, this is our Arkansas doctors, by the way. And, um, but, but I was always thinking, like, th- they gave me a notebook, right, of, like, some, like, put your knee to your shoulder and all this stuff, like, just, you know, loosening up the buttocks and the the hammies, to, you know, uh, alleviate your lower back a little bit. I also was like, why do I gotta go to a location for this? But but I never did it at home, man. Like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, what what do you think the correlation is for doing it with somebody else? Like, there's got There's definitely a different energy when you walk into a PT office like yours to get the job done. What why why can't people do it at home? Like I like I just mentioned, is there is there some what what are your thoughts on what the heck, I, whatever the heck I'm saying right now? But besides the, yeah. besides the besides yeah, the too much stool in my system,
2: <laughs> you're full of it, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of research out about why people get better and don't get better in healthcare generally. Um, uh, one of the big things is uh, the human connection, right? So, so physical touch and the human connection are both. Um, super important predictors of if people are going to improve or not. Um, another one that's a mind blower is um, a patient's belief in getting better uh, dramatically influences getting better, believe it or not. So uh, you're, how strongly you believe in a given treatment or a given um, prescription from a physician uh, is uh, it can be like as much as 30% of the efficacy of the treatment is based on the patient's belief in that treatment, which is a game changer, right? So
1: wow.
2: so if your doctor, if your doctor tells you you need to go do XYZ thing, that probably makes a big difference. But um, the caring connection makes a huge difference. Um, I personally think one of the biggest predictors is um, the community aspect of it. So when you walk into an office and you see a bunch of people getting better and winning doing that, that's a huge benefit for folks um those are probably all variables
0: how about just a, like accountability that they you know what i mean because i i need that to yeah I, I i'm a, yeah, I'm a, no, I'm a packed I, animal right I, I, I sometimes i ask yeah. tyler sometimes to push me over that ledge like i can take myself all the way up there but sometimes i just need that friendly nudge and 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 and, yeah. and then spread you know the the wings
2: same thing, right? So sometimes people need, and you can't. It's pretty hard to establish enough of a relationship to look at a patient in the face and say, "Kevin, seriously, yeah, why aren't you doing your stuff?" Yeah. Like <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't come across great on visit one, right? So yeah. like uh, establishing some relationship over time gives you the ability to speak truth to people, and so that's um, that's a huge component of accountability.
0: So um, I have to not ask. just shown up. Did you change right understanding the outcomes because you're you're all about quality care and quality medicine today right? I go to a doctor, I get title shy right or or uh, 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 by his by his or hers title right and experience, um, and I think that that patient relationship in most situations of of my experience has been kind of that. Top-down approach, right? I know, and I'm telling you what you need to do. Um, mm-hmm. But if if I don't same similar to how you're making changes within your own business, if I'm not consulted and talked through, and it now becomes my idea, and I believe in what you're telling me, mm-hmm. it seems like we almost need to to start to transition how that relationship is with with the the doctor and the patient, or the nurse and the patient, to become more consultative, so then they believe in. Their progress?
2: I can be, I can talk about this for a really long time. All so, right. I wanted to <laughs> pick your brain because short- you talked about it. I'll try i to, like, I wonder if this is uh, what he's talking about. No, I'll try to shorten it up a little bit, but we, we are intentional from our first phone call to the last interaction you have. And that's a big piece of it. Um, it's interesting, right? So you, you can know everything I know because of, the internet, right? So the power differential that you're speaking of has really shifted um, quite a bit. Uh, So a patient could come in with a lot of information. And uh, so that's, that's definitely changed in the last 15 years of healthcare, like dramatically, right? Because that's about when high-speed internet was becoming more readily accessible. And then Google's trajectory was just crazy. So people have infinite access now to any information. Um, One of the, uh, best things that we include in, we train on it for all for all positions, but is uh, real-time asking permission. So um, talking with a patient, for instance, and we were going through your kind of a, I might finish your physical exam and say something to this effect. Kevin, um, I've got everything right here on this paper. I'd really like to run through it with you and make sure that I didn't miss anything. Is that okay with you? That would be a a very typical question that we might ask a patient. And you should see the looks on patient's face to your point, like what just happened? (laughs) I've never had that happen in a healthcare setting where someone cared enough to stop and ask me um, if if I should, what? like it blows people's mind but right there it's like an instant hook because they know you care about what's happening you know and it it really just makes all the difference in the world that's probably the most important thing that we teach everybody that's on the phone first phone call hey uh, mrs smith uh, i just want to make sure i got everything is it okay if i read it back to you just to verify (laughs) Versus, you know it's just a different interaction so that's probably one of those instant, instant trust builders with patients.
0: I love that. I love the whole approach and and obviously you taking out um, some of those additional insights from, from the industry and starting to apply the development of your own team to fix the problem. <laughs> it's enough to yeah, know about yeah. it. right? And now here I see you guys actually working towards action to, to correct the problems once they're identified as, as to what. What? How do you increase the success of what you? What it is that you actually do, I, Dan? Your your constant um, journey, I think, comes from your self reflection that you're continuously doing because you're always learning and you're continuously hungry to learn more. But you're evolving and adapting to the changing environment, which is the only consistent it, is that it's going to continue to change. So it's it's pretty impressive on how you've. Kept your foot on the or finger on the pulse throughout throughout these changes, like you just said, over the last fifteen years with the information age. So powerful, powerful stuff. Ty, you got, got my question? bill. I've got oh, I've go got my billboard for you. All right, yes.
2: let's hear it. Let's hear it. Person of significance, not a person of success.
1: Love that. Boom. Yes, Love
2: that. Dan. Bravo. And I gotta quote it. I'll quote it again because it's not me. It's it's Clint Palver. He's another author. Great author
0: important is reading for you as a leader?
2: Um, I read a lot.
0: Yeah, I, can I, tell do. I read a lot of, a lot <laughs> of books
2: and, uh, and try to, I'm trying to actually read a little bit less and apply more of what
0: I read. So when I read, I have to journal as well, because otherwise I don't retain a lot of the information that I'm reading to apply. Have you tried it? Yeah, I'll,
2: when I read, I a lot of times I'll start with Audible, um, and I'll listen to something, and if it resonates with me, then I'll, I'll listen to it and or read it together, and then, yeah, take notes on it. Another thing I really like is I'll, there's so many good resources online that you can just ask for an executive summary on something, and if you've already listened to it, you can read through those main points, and without having to read the whole book again, that's an easy little hack for um, grabbing 80% of a book and and actually internalizing it and being able to So you
0: mean it. what I used to do in high school to write those papers on those books? Those you got to you gotta listen to it first, <laughs> I
2: think. But
1: yeah, no, it's, it helps a lot.
2: <laughs> so you lot. just
1: literally Google executive summary on Think Again and you got 80% of it. Yeah,
2: maybe not. That one's, you got to listen to that one and read it. That one I've, that was my, during COVID, that was probably the most, or I guess after COVID, um, that was one of the most, That's a very impactful book. It was very good.
0: This has been great. This has been awesome. Dan, I just want to say thank you. Uh, You randomly accepted. Thanks to Kate here at my office. uh, An opportunity (laughs) to come on our show. You had no idea what you were walking into, I don't think. But uh, we are so appreciative of, honestly, just sharing your perspective and being vulnerable uh, with us today. Sharing some of the insights and takeaways and things that other leaders can maybe start to apply to to to, I think, level out, I think uh, managers and leaders are burning themselves out as well, because they're trying to figure out how to how to properly evolve to, to the needs of, of today's society. So just thank you so much for your leadership, not only for your company, but uh, also here in Rochester, because those 27 people probably know 10 other people, minimally, and you just grew your impact rather, uh, rather than the, your personal success. So that's awesome.
2: Cool appreciate it thanks for having me and uh thank kate because she's the real reason i said yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah